0: is sports jam i'm doug doyle what a treat we have for you the return of the wonderful grammy nominated jazz penis monty alexander
1: to the show monty great to see you i'm happy to be with you doug it's been a while and let's let's do it again pal let's do it i'm so excited
0: monty you were last on sports jam in 2014 and people are still raving about that podcast you're getting ready to thrill all of us and That will be september 10th at the montclair jazz festival and we'll talk about the tour that you had recently overseas and your knowledge of boxing and of course music is truly magical and you are a master storyteller and that's why we had to have you back here on sports jam when we first talked to you you made the connection between the rhythm of music in both jazz and boxing And after seeing Sugar Ray Robinson fight in Kingston, Jamaica, where you grew up, you were 12 years old and saw him in an exhibition match. Can you touch upon, once again, to start off this edition of Sports Jam, the connection about rhythm and music and boxing and how you see it all come together?
1: I can't really give you much more of a specific explanation, except that it's a feeling. I was was watching the fighters, you know, the the skilled fighters, how to... To be offensive, you know, in terms of boxing, how to attack and how to, you know, uh, defend, and a certain kind of artistry was involved. I mean, if you're in good shape and you know what you're doing, and you're figuring out the other guy's rhythm as you go along, and if you're on and if you're on the bandstand and you're playing, and the drummer is playing it a certain way, then you you got to blend with that too without getting into the analytical aspect of the whole thing. And um, it just seemed to me like a very, very similar kind of world, you know, when uh, and, uh, away from the actual sport itself, there are all these uh, experiences that made me look at boxing as uh, something so exciting when I saw these fighters under the lights and, and you used to, Remembered me telling you that I would see the flies in the lights above. Again. And I, I'm just a kid, you know. But I'm getting getting aware about life and what's going on. And my dad was a boxing fan, and he knew the promoter. The same way he knew the promoter when Louis Armstrong came to Kingston, and I stuck out of school to see Satchmo. So this is one world of it. It's like I'm the kid in the candy store, man. The jelly beans are in the in the bowl. Which, which one am I going to take or, and and boxing and, and music wasn't jazz. So, so specific. It was just music, music, music seemed like one world. I got zapped with the, the thrill of when you see fighters, you know, and I met in those earlier days, the amount of musicians that I met that were awesome fans about the sport. They knew who and why, you know, guys who came out of the world of Joe Lewis. I have all these memories of different musicians I hung out with and I'd say, let's go see, let's go to the garden and see so-and-so and let's go to Yankee stadium and see so-and-so. And I, and I was a instigator. So anyhow, going back to Sugar Ray Robinson, I knew he was like one of the greatest of all times as Ali would say. And um, I, I met him at that stage of his life when he was close to retirement. So it wasn't the 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 uh, what you call it the Bo Brummel guy because I think it was made public Miles Davis himself's hero away from music heroes was Sugar Ray Robinson something about Ray Robinson the way he handled himself the way he dressed the way he 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 was just a slick character you know Miles latched on to Sugar Ray Robinson
0: we can listen to you talk about this sport for hours and hours of we get a chance here on sports jam to get a little taste more, but I want to know about the world of boxing now continues to morph and yeah. you see the sport heading in different directions. Are you excited about boxing right now?
1: Well, i tell you, I am still close to uh, crazy about the fights coming up and i say, who's fighting this weekend? You know, if I'm in, in New York, you know, and I got my reliable, flat-screen TV, and I check out who's fighting, who's fighting. There's a new parade of young fighters coming along. It's like in jazz, you know, these young guys coming out of the music schools. And you say, hey, man, there's a new tenor player coming out. of. He's in Manhattan School of Music. Got to hear this guy. You know, it's the same with the fighters. Exceptional guys are coming along that, that have a knockout punch, you know. I get interested in seeing different young fighters coming up and see how they're doing. You latch on to a younger guy and say, wait a minute, this guy's, he's got this ability in the ring. He's got the punch. He's got all this stuff and you put it together and you want to see, see what he's going to do on that next, that next boat. So I'm still into it, not in the way I did, because there's a, a what's the word, a raft of guys, a lot of them from Mexico, I don't speak Spanish, so I'm not always, you know, say, there's a, there's Ortiz, there's Manguia, there's just a whole lot of names that are Latino guys. And sometimes I mix up which and which and what. And right now there's a slew of guys that are really on top of the game, you know, and they got like 19 fights, 19 knockouts, you know. It's not nice to talk to the average person about a sport that, some people criticize greatly, you know, when I say a guy knocked him out. I mean, knock him. you go going to knock a guy out and, you know, physical danger. And, and yet, you know, there's still this thing, you know. And by the way, this new emergence of the sports, I don't even know which is which, the MMA. And I have not followed that because to me, that's a whole different set of dynamics. So the true fight fan, he's not really into that. But because of business, the boxing magazines, the boxing uh, scenarios, they've adopted all that because there's more interest on social media. Some people want to see an, somebody pummel another guy like he's going to kill him. And that for me is off, off of my radar. I'm not interested in it. So there's all these new uh, aspects of what to me was this, you know, the Marquis of Queensberry, the, the rules don't hit below the belt. You know, you gotta have the, the gloves without the thumb in the gloves. And um not gonna poke the guy's eye out. And you know, if a guy looks like he's in trouble, you stop the fight right away. Whereas in the MMA, yeah, kill him, kill him, you know, and, and I don't know, I don't know about that. So there's so many incredible changes from twenty years ago, you know, and um it's sometimes uh befuddling to me. But I've stayed on on it probably more than most. Guys I know uh, that kind of said, I'm turned off, man. It's it turned into money, 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 business and all. But there's still those guys in the gym working out like amazing, you know. And I mean, the ethics of a of a Canelo today or Terrence Crawford. I mean, these guys, you know, they deny themselves that extra scoop of ice cream. You know, <laughs> you want to get the ice cream. You don't have to worry much about it. But those guys. That's the lifestyle, you know. So I usually save
0: this type of question for the end, but I would like to know who you mentioned a couple of fighters that you know that you enjoy watching right now. who of today's boxing would you like to see fight one of the greats in a a match that you know could only be in in another world, but who would you like to see go up against one of the current fighters and why? It's hard to
1: to answer that one because um I remember there was this fictitious fight that Ali had with a I, I don't know how they did it but he ended up fighting Marciano there was a trick thing and uh who was going to win and who was going to punch and it was all make believe but Muhammad Ali wasn't just a boxer he was brilliant when it came to um PR and how to keep keep the thing exciting you know so he went along with that and uh I remember there was another demonstration with Cus D'Amato who found Mike Tyson and worked with Floyd Patterson in the early days and uh they had you know they talked about that very question you asked when Cus said uh, so Ali if you fought uh, Sugar Ray Robinson how what would you do and he said well I'll be like this and then you know but to me it's not real so your question is definitely a definite a, a worthy question, but it's not real. You know, when it's, how would it be if you were playing with um, Jimmy Blanton, the bass player from Duke Ellington? I don't know, you know, so I can't really answer that question because each era, ERA, has its own set of um, conditions and situations and the yeah. way people are treat themselves, you know, in terms of being healthy, being strong. You know, now, now you see fighters that look like Adonis with the muscles and the whole thing, and that has nothing to do with that earlier period when when guys just were less trying to lift weights because that's not how you build the skill, you know? So it's hard to answer that. But in terms of today, let's say when Mike Tyson was at the top of the game, they would ask him, you know, people say, would, would, how would Tyson do against Ali, you know? Of course, Tyson, who became a humble, humble guy, as opposed to his earlier days when the ego thing was strong, he would have said Ali, you know, he would give it up for Ali, and the the fight fans would say Ali would have boxed him around the ring because Ali was a master of of defense, whereas Tyson was a master of "I'm gonna kill you, man," you know. Oh. So it's just just so hard to uh, to bring that into the the discussion, but I mean, it would be fun. Hey, let's see. Uh, uh, in fact, recently, Roy Jones had this uh, get together fight, that, and he was of a different weight, but he fought Tyson. These guys are in their fifties now, so it's a different game. It's a different game, but guess what? Like with music, the beat goes on. It's still going on. You know, in Europe, I see all the basketball T-shirts behind you. You know, LeBron James today. Bill Russell is gone. You know, and we have the the new ethic. You know, the kid that there were kids at the time.
0: Champion Muhammad Ali. You saw uh, the greatest when it came to the boxing uh, ring. You met Muhammad Ali and became a great fan right at that time. Oh, yeah. I know that you had a chance to catch Ken Burns' documentary, Muhammad Ali. We had Ken talk about it here on Sports Jam. What did you think of that, Doc?
1: It was beyond excellent. It really, because this Mr. Burns, he is. A guy who has gone that extra mile to tell stories about the his version of what of jazz, the history was really that was great. He he went into baseball, he talked about the Civil War, he did all these different uh documentaries he did. And for me, the one he did on Muhammad Ali, because I always thought if you're outside of boxing and you're not really into the sport, you don't realize how affecting it is, you know. And it was a knock. It was a pleasant surprise to see this this gentleman, Mr. Ken Burns, who did such great stuff with the other uh, aspects, you know, other uh, areas, you know, have that sense of detail to want to tell the story about Ali, you know. And I met him when he was still Cassius Clay, and I would go watch him train down in the Fifth Street Gym. I would just come from Jamaica. I was living in Miami Beach, and what I, I met him. He was with this other fighter, a friend of his, who was a Jamaican. And I knew the Jamaican guy, his name. And I went up to them. And they were both dressed in the most beautiful attire, suits, you know, looked like British uh, bon vivant. Them guys were slick. And um, I think they were sharing a room. You know, it says he just come from from uh, Louisville. And he met Angelo Dundee. And he's down there in Miami. And he's got to save his money. And he's staying in a, in a very... Uh, a cheap a hotel in what's called Overtown Miami and there was Cassius Clay and he had that air of dignity and you know I said who's this guy you know and and then I shook his hand and and uh, that's before he fought Listen, you know um, but um, what what boxing did for me was give me an added joy about life you know the music thing has been always bang go who's, the music the jazz the, the the thrill of playing and you feel like a powerful spirit invades your being and you're excited with the music and swinging so hard. And the people are excited and they're happy. And you feel like, what was that? There was like a, a, a wind came into the room. And the music, I, I tell people, the cockroach and the rat was danced, them people were dancing in the corner, <laughs> you know. But But the music, yes, but boxing held me in total appreciation of these men. And I went to so many bouts through the years. And um, yes, 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 yes. Ken Burns, he did one incredible job telling the story and he, all, all the various aspects, you know, who he was, what he was, his different girlfriend that became the wife and the next one. And he talked about his relationship with, with Malcolm X, his relationship with, uh, you know, the, the people in his corner with Bondini. And the humor thing that they make, and he was just so brilliant away from the, the ring, brilliant in, in his conversation. If you look at things this guy said, he has become one of the great advocates for civil rights. I mean, who would have known it? This man that was so unusual in his talent, you know, it wasn't just fighting. It was just a, a guy who observed what was going on in the world, who expressed himself, man. He, he could have talked his way into the presidency. That's <laughs> how slick Ali was, you know. So the documentary was awesome, really.
0: We're speaking with Monty Alexander here on Sports Jam. Monty, since you have really. Given a, such a connection between boxing and music, did a, any bout ever inspire you to write a song?
1: No, where are you coming from these, with these questions? That's off the charts, but that's really appropriate. I am very delinquent in writing songs that I coulda, shoulda, woulda written because I'm a lazy son of a gun, man. I, I, I didn't. When they say you gotta go to school because I, they saw I had some kind of talent. And I ran away from the school teacher, guys. I just picked it up. I was watching it. And I know I coulda, shoulda, woulda written songs. I had reason to that. And you're right, Maximus so but something I enjoyed. I could have written the the ballad of Sugar Ray Robinson or uh, whatever, you know. Here it's is dedicated. Never too late. You, you know what? You just you just put something in my brain. Look out now. Come okay. come with a with a You know, Terence Blanchard, he wrote a whole like an opera. Couple of, of our top m- music talents have, you know, connected with, with like with not just Ali but uh, Hurricane Reuben Carter. You may remember Reuben Carter. Sure. Went to jail, uh, when he was innocent. We believe there was um, you know, music, the ballad of Hurricane Carter. You know, but it's not inappropriate. You know, Joe Lewis was such a an icon of American history and culture. That he, you know, when people, when Joe was fighting Harlem, everybody in Harlem, the radio was on the windowsill so that the, the people in the street could hear the fight when Joe was fighting. He was a great hero, especially for black Americans, you know? Lewis measured him right to the body, a left up to the jaw, and Schmeling is down.
0: The count is five, five, six, seven,
1: eight. The men are in the ring. The fight is over on a technical knockout. Is in one round. But then you had the Irish guys, the Jewish guys that came along and they, when they fought, everything stopped. You know, me, I, I turned down jobs when I had a good gig to play somewhere and something no other guy would have done. I, I turned down the jobs and found a, a replacement piano player so I could go see whatever boxing match was on that Saturday night, because the fights were always on a Friday or a Saturday, you know. So, and I have... These memories of incidents when um I got Tommy Flanagan, I begged him to come take my place at Fat at Fat Tuesdays. When I had to see um Tommy Hearns fight Pepino Cuevas, I went to the fight, <laughs> and Tommy understood when he when he went to play the gig. It kept me out of trouble. Let's put it that way.
0: Nearly sixty years after you moved to Ooh. the U.S. from <laughs> Kingston, Jamaica, you have been touring the world relentlessly. with various projects, delighting a global audience, drawn to your incredible personality and your soulful message. And you just spent time touring in France, Spain, and Austria, just to name a few. So you've traveled the world and you've played wonderful piano for so many. What was this tour like for you? Because it was kind of a return from you know, what we see as maybe a light at the end of the tunnel for the coronavirus pandemic. So what was this tour? Was it any
1: different for you? it just you know it was like when I saw that the, the job offers had backed off because everybody's scared they didn't know what's going on with this thing and uh, I just had to adjust to this this new thing called sit back and you know twiddle your thumbs and what what what's next we're all in that same orbit what's, what's happening what's happening but next thing you know the phone start ringing and I get the emails that We are trying to do a a festival and we all have to be careful. And I I started little by little after about a year and a half. You know, I went to Switzerland and I said, "Mm, I guess we better wear the mask because we play, you know, what a weird thing to do, but yes. And we did it and we played gigs like that. And we're, you know, it's like this thing is reopening, you know. It was definitely a, a new discipline of how to, find other altars, because when I play, the music thing is not just, oh, I'm going to perform the music. No, I'm getting therapy, man. This music, if I'm having a, a the blues, a bad day, feeling low about something, I know if I go play tonight, goodbye blues. You know, the, the music is a healing force for not just for me, but people who come into the proximity of what I do, not just me, but other musicians who who do it that way. It's, it's not no technical school thing with me. This is, is like, I tell people, this is like blood. Like when Dracula need blood, The Dracula, give me that blood, man. That's how I'm going to stay in my thing, you know? And musicians like us, we need to express ourselves. It's a real, um, it's almost an addiction. So during that time, I just had to sit back and accept that this is a world issue here. The world doesn't know what to do. And uh, thankfully, Thank God, there's scientists people that came along and said, "Well, take the vaccination, the this and the did." So, we've had a miraculous, uh, return to a little more normalcy. Yeah, but even though this thing has not gone away, we have to be mindful; it's still here, and be thoughtful when you go to certain crowded places. You don't know, you don't know. So, I still have that ethic, you know, and. um I uh, I still enjoy you know what what I enjoyed in the past and but I don't I don't um I don't throw caution to the wind you know not to make you separate one country
0: from another but was there any country during this tour that you got a different vibe from or a a reception you didn't expect?
1: Well, you know what. Um, I think if you're reflecting that to, to COVID and what happened, I would say that everywhere you 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 look out into the audience and you could feel the apprehension, you know, but we came we're, they're trying to live up to their their what was enjoyable from two years before. Let's go hear this guy play the piano and we'll get a little upliftment, and you know, and that's my thing is to bring upliftment, not to not just to the people, but to myself. I mean, I saw Louis Armstrong when I was 10 years old and this guy got on the bandstand with that trumpet and he said, good evening, everybody. And just about that time, everybody started chuckling and laughing and the word was a word that they don't use very much with our music, entertainment. Entertainment was what Duke Ellington did, the great, great maestro of music, Nat King Cole, he brought entertainment. He didn't bring a school recital. He didn't say, and it was like, you have to figure out what I'm playing, you know, these men. And I saw that. That was like upliftment, uplifted spirit, you know, because everybody gets a little down, you know. So said, tonight, man, I can't wait to go see um, uh, whoever the artist is. I mean, pop music, you know, whatever. Rolling Stones, we're going to have a ball. There's <laughs> Mick Jagger doing. And in our world, where it's a little more, I hate, I'll use the word, excuse me if I offend anybody, refined. It's more refined. It's more of substance. It's not about that, you know, putting on a show with makeup on your face. And this is just, it's a dignified way to be, to be, <laughs> to be, a, to be an animal, you know, <laughs> you're about this thing. Ah, here it is. And I saw that as a kid. And I, I bring that, you know, if I'm on a good night, man, I'll, I'll tell a joke, talk, I talk, I don't tell people stories. Like I'm talking to you about boxing mostly, but I, I rebel in getting the mic and start, I wrote the song because, boom, and I tell this story. It goes on for three, four minutes, and I say, uh-oh, talking too much. And the people, <laughs> and the people inevitably said, no, don't stop talking. Tell us more. Tell us more, you know, because I have filled with these memories that I cherish. I really do. I cherish the fact that Frank Sinatra came to me when I was playing somewhere, and Mr. S, he said, hey, kid, you got it? We want you to come to New York. That's so how I came to New York, because this, this man who was one of our – Kings of of entertainment, you know. I met Miles Davis. I met these people, and they gave me the tap on the shoulder, and I I got my confidence go up. You know, it didn't come from Professor Jones at the school. No, it came from life. You know, Be, being around you know Ali, being around uh, Evander Holyfield, a bit you know, and I I went out of my way to meet these these heroes. You know, I mean they're they're almost comic book heroes you know, but they're real people, you know, and um, I still have that. Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> you certainly do. You you have, you're a great connection to people like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis yep. and Frank Sinatra. And and you talked boxing with, with all of them at, at different points in, yeah. in your career. So who now are you touring with on stage as a musician that you can chat about being on the canvas and watching those greats and watching today's stars?
1: That's a wonderful, wonderful question, Doug. And uh, as I think about it, amongst my jazz friends, you know, community, I have to really, wait a minute, do, do, does so-and-so, in, is he into it even one quarter as much as Monty? And I'm a little nuts about the whole thing. And I I, I hardly have anybody I can talk to on that level, you know? But every now and then I, I take delight in sharing a little story, I remember what what I did about this, you know, when so-and-so was fighting, how I turned the gig down and I went to, to go see the fight. I, um I you know, I have two terrific guys that have been so fortunate and blessed to have on the backside with me. I'm going to tell you, the drummer's name is, he's Jason Brown. He's He grew up in the Bronx. Not only that, but he had a, a good connection with things Jamaican, up in the Bronx, the Jamaicans and the way the rhythm is there. For me... You know, it's hard to describe. The, the, the rhythm of the Jamaican and the rhythm of, of the swinging cat in Harlem, there's a correlation. It's how you feel about the rhythm, how, how it is. And I've been told that I'm one of these so-called swinging piano players. You know, when I play, we elevate. And people, a guy wrote a review who said, if you don't tap your feet when you're at a Monte Alexander concert, concert maybe you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what does that mean? You know, so... You know, but Jason, a terrific guy and he collected his experiences and it all comes out when he's playing the drums along with me. He's going along with my shenanigans because nothing with me is scripted. You know, it's all inspired and it's spontaneous and it's the moment. And, you know, and 99.99% of the time, it's this magical ride, you know. And the bass player, young man from Canada, his name is Luke Selleck awesome musician. This guy, he's playing notes, and while he's playing the notes, I'm thinking of, wow, some of the great, great guys i played, of the musicality of this guy, and he's a spiritual kind of guy, and I can talk about anything with, with Luke, you know? So I got two great guys, and I am yet to go deep into the boxing history, you know? And maybe that's what's going to happen soon, because it matters to me, you know? And I tell him, so you realize, when you play that note, it was like when uh, Sugar Ray threw that jab. <laughs> And, you know, look, I, th- I was in Palm Springs one once at the home of Leo Derosha. Leo Derosha. And who was there? It was a special party and none other than Sinatra. He was there with his friend Leo and there were a few other people from the entertainment world. And Sinatra was at the bar, was nursing a drink, just kind of by himself while all the other people are he's Just actually standing there. And I walked up to him and I said, I said, uh, <clears throat> so you've been watching boxing or you've been keeping up with boxing? He said, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because he was a fight fan. And in fact, he was a fight manager. He, have, he managed a couple of fighters in the 40s. He did. He was that much into it. You know, he came from the neighborhood in Hoboken and, and boxing was a part of life. You had the Italian fighters, you had the Irish fighters, you had the black fighters and they were all vying and who's who and that. But Sinatra was into that. And um, he loved Joe Louis. He was the Joe Louis creed. So a lot of those people, even him, him, when Ali came along, they resented him because Ali was talking, you know? Joe didn't say nothing. He said, how do you feel about the fight, Joe? Joe? And Joe said, say, oh, I'll just knock him out. i just knock him out. You know? Joe had nothing to say because he'd go in there and throw those punches, you know?
0: Truly but, different personalities, right? Between Joe Lewis and Muhammad Ali.
1: Oh, my goodness. In fact, when he first came along, even Joe, who was still with us, you know, and in fact, Sinatra got him the job. As a host at Caesar's Palace in Vegas, because he saw him having a hard time, the government was after him for income tax uh, bills he owed, you know. And um, Joe was still unconvinced, you know. Like who is this? Who is this loudmouth kid? You know. Mm. And um, totally different. It was a dignified Joe was Joe Lewis, the Brown Bomber. They called him. He just didn't say much. He just did what he did. You know, he knocked, knocked out Max Schmellin the second time around. And that was a big event. You know, Max Schmellin was the German, you know, and even Hitler had said that's that's the guy. And he got a Joe Lewis gave him a whooping, as we say. But um people like Sinatra. I remember Oscar Peterson, one of our heroes, right? Oscar called me on the phone. He said, Did you see the fight last week? He said, What happened? And I'd give Oscar Peterson a blow by blow about whatever the fight was because he was into it and he he, he couldn't see the fight and he said you know maybe Monty saw the fight, so so um he did and one of the things I shared with Miles I went to the fights with Miles on a couple of occasions went down to the Garden to see and I remember Jimmy Ellis it was a close circuit Jimmy Ellis and um, Muhammad Ali and they were school friends these chums from Louisville days of course Ali knocked him out and. Came in the cab with Maz. So as soon as we got there, Maz disappeared. He saw some lady across the across the place, you know. <laughs> Those were the days when some of the guys would wear fur coats, you know, look like super fly or, you know, but um, gracious me. But I still have it. I'm just still young guy in my mind and I love the fights, but I don't go to the fights anymore. Look, I hear, I have this book of one of my good friends now, since I'm we last spoke. It's Al Bernstein, who does the Showtime analyzing of the fights, and um, he he always invites me to go to Barclay for whatever the fight is. In fact, they just restarted the boxing there again. He gives me his tickets if I want it, but I, I don't go because there's a crowd of people. Now that seems like there's a bit of a disturbance that could end up being a fight, mm-hmm. not in the ring. I mean, right, right. in the in the hall itself. Maybe that's with basketball and, and um, football, too. I don't know. But so I said, you know what? Nothing like being in your own home, looking at the TV. If you got to go to the bathroom, you, you, the, you got it right there in your house. You made, you won't miss the knockout. I'm, I'm thinking I'm, to the people listening to this, dog. I must sound like a brutal uh, sadist. <laughs> but I love boxing, man. I know you do.
0: And we only have just a couple minutes left here in Sports Gym. So if you want to know more about the Fifth Street Gym or stories about Archie Moore, you can listen to our first episode that's still online at WBGO.org slash Sports Gym. But, you know, probably the best decision Monty Alexander has ever made. I know you could take care of yourself when you were in fights as, as a youngster. And you did have one pair of gloves at one point, but I'm glad that you didn't become a boxer yourself because <laughs> then we you, you would have probably broke your hand at some point and we would have never heard the wonderful sounds on the piano from one of the greatest of all time, Monty Alexander. It's always an honor to speak with you, sir. And thanks for joining us again here on Sports Gen.
1: Thank you so much, Douglas. It's a joy and a pleasure to chat and blab with you about Something we both appreciate. Boxing.
0: Monty Alexander recently received from the Jamaican government a knighthood order. Congratulations to Sir Monty. Sports Jam is a WBGO Studios production. You can hear all the shows by going to wbgo.org slash sports jam. Or find Sports Jam with Doug Doyle on the NPR list of podcasts or wherever you hear podcasts. Special thanks going out to the morning maestro, WBGO's Gary Walker, for his recent conversation with Monty that sparked a return visit to Sports Jam from the amazing Monty Alexander. Until our next Sports Jam session, I'll see you at the game.